in a sense, that starts looking like a stable relationship. Somebody who wants to be helped, we think, and somebody who wants to help. But there's a core imbalance in that relationship because inherent in me being the rescuer is some kind of I know best opinion. So, So what we set up is one of two switches. Either my partner rebuffs my help and I get frustrated because I need to be seen as a good guy and I move to that place where I'm saying something like, do you know what, however hard you try, some people just can't be helped. So I move to a persecutory position, leaving her in the victim. Have you ever been drained after an argument? Did you notice really annoying conflicts tend to repeat in your life? Most people find it difficult to deal with stress, with undesired emotions and regretful reactions. Hi, my name is Christian Mulovan, happy husband, entrepreneur and empathy coach. Welcome to the Anatomy of Conflict show. Join me on this journey, learning by dissecting conflicts, putting them through the microscope and explore better ways to navigate under pressure. Thank you for spending time with me today. What is up, world? I hope you started 2021 and you're already on fire. Or perhaps you gave up your New Year's resolutions or you took a break, like a well-deserved break. Um, That's okay. Wherever you are right now, you can still up your game, raise your standards and smash the year and like crush those goals you set for yourself. And I know you can do that. It doesn't matter if you fail once or twice or a hundred times, as long as you pick it up and take it forward. I really hope you enjoyed the previous episodes of my podcast and finding tons of value uh, that my guests are sharing with me and you. And I know they're pouring their hearts into this and I do too. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is my first ever recording for the podcast, and you might tell, uh, you might guess that. Um, but however, my guest is a very special person who has an impressive story and dedicated his life to serving others. Meet Nathan Gould. Nathan Gould is a PTSTA, which stands for Provisional Training and Supervising Transactional Analyst, which is a very complicated name for. Um, a person that supervises and, and trains uh, psychotherapists and he is a psychotherapist and he's specializing in dealing with anger and conflict. He works with individuals, couples and groups and he's also a director of, of a nonprofit offering low-cost counseling. You can find more about him and reach him out uh accessing his website emergetherapy.co.uk or on facebook.com slash emergetherapy. And before we start that, I wanted just to remind you that you could support a whole deal this this podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It the feedback that I got so far is amazing and I would really love for you guys to just Put it out there so other people can see it, discover this uh, show, and uh, just 
spread the love and, and the word out there. It would mean the world to me and it would be a big deal for, for this podcast. So please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave a review. You can star rate the show. I would love five star ratings. But however, you, you just leave honest reviews and um, I, w- I would love to learn from, from those and, and make the show better. Thank you. And right now... Let's just welcome Nathan Gould. Thank you for joining me, Nathan. Uh, this is a very, uh, very big surprise for me to uh, to have you on on this podcast because um, you are the first person that actually specializes in in conflict that I interview on uh, on the podcast. And not only that, you do that, but you are um, a, a person that beyond working as a professional uh, and as a psychologist with uh, with with people around anger and and conflict resolution you are also a leader uh, you've built a huge community of people in order to support them to overcome anger and to help them vent out and find support and i've been a part of that community for a while now and i'm impressed with what you do there so I'm more than curious to find out how you've come to do all these and also to uh, share with everyone that's listening to, to the show, um, what are the stories behind anger? What are the stories behind conflict? And what are the lessons to be learned from there? Because I personally have um, this creed that we are repeating the same arguments and conflicts until we learn the lesson from that. So. I'm. I'm uh, I, what I want to do with this podcast is make a huge collection of lessons to be learned, so we can uh, evolve from uh, pushing conflict conflict away to actually navigating conflict and using it as a process to to evolve. So, right. welcome to the podcast. Um, I know you are a provisional training and transactional analyst. And for the people that are um, from Earth, can you translate <laughs> that? <laughs> what is that exactly? Yeah. So we have an industry that's full of these acronyms. Um, so I'm a transactional analyst psychotherapist that I think we'll talk about more anyway, what that means. Um, the other letters mean that I supervise and train other psychotherapists as well. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Now it makes so much more sense. Yes. <laughs> PTSTA sounds very yes. sexy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you for, for explaining all that. No problem. Um, you, you have been working for, for a while now as a psychotherapist. And yes. what is the difference when you, when you uh, work on, with someone on, on solving a conflict when we're working with one person or with a couple, for example? Okay, so that's a really interesting question. And I do a lot of couples couples work. The advantage of working with a couple is you have the whole system in the room. Okay. Rather than just one half of it. So working with an individual, obviously they're going to talk about the person they're in conflict with, whether that's a partner, a friend, or you know, work colleague, 
but you don't know what the other person is thinking or feeling. We can explore ways of looking at that. We can, we can have empathy, but we don't know. When you have the whole system in the room, you have all the information. That's wonderful. So that actually gives you leverage to solve everything faster and easier. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and when uh, when you're talking about groups and we are engaging yeah. with groups, how how does uh, applying your skill set into communities work? So, in a way, I think are using the same logic that you use with couples is that I'm really asking people to step in to the shoes of the other person. So okay. they get a sense of understanding so why the other person holds the beliefs they do. Yeah, so you practically invite them to um, see the whole situation from a very empathetic point of view. Yes, yeah. I oh. think it's really easy to see something you don't agree with and just, you know, hey, that's stupid. Yeah, polarize. Yeah, yeah. People, people have beliefs for a reason. And those reasons might be very individual. But until you can get into that frame of reference, then you, you can't really bring the two together. Definitely. That makes so much sense. Thank you. Good. So now we have a little bit of, um, of the general picture of what you do. But yes. How did you come to do all this? Um, what is the story behind you becoming a psychotherapist and behind building um, thousands of people community, uh, helping them overcome anger? <laughs> it's two very different stories in a way. This, this journey to being a psychotherapist and the anger thing, which was much more of a happy accident. I, I will tell you about that. Wonderful. So my background is um, I, I was adopted at six months old. and. Um, you know, I'm mixed race. So I think questions of identity and belonging have always been quite close to me, even from a very, very young age. Um, and I, I had some counselling around adoption issues in my early 20s and thought, this is amazing and I really want to go and do a counsellor, uh, you know, a counselling course. At the time, they were much harder to get onto. This was, you know, 30 years ago. Um, and I was told to kind of come back when you're older, which, which I did. So I had a career in sports marketing, which was lots of fun. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I always wanted to be doing something that was hopefully useful, but at least not harmful. In sport, you know, it's fun. It's not harmful. We can argue whether it's useful, but it was certainly fun. <laughs> but I got to about, um, Oh, probably about 40, so typical midlife crisis age, and thought, you know, this is great, but I don't want to do this for another 30 years. And that idea of working as a counsellor or psychotherapist came up again. I explored options locally. There happened to be a training establishment about 10 miles from my house, so fantastic. Nice. Now, the anger... wasn't ever really planned and in some ways I still have some resistance to it which is interesting so as part of the psychotherapy training you have to do a certain amount of hours working with groups and couples 
Okay. Um, so a really nice way to start that group work is to do very short group programs where you control a subject matter. And I'd really noticed in my marketing that I was getting lots and lots of people inquiring about anger issues but not booking psychotherapy. Yeah. I thought, okay, let's put together a group program that explores what anger is and how to kind of work with anger and conflict and self-expression. And it really took off straight away. Just such a, such a demand for this particular subject. And the more I worked with it, the more I realized that the inability to express these kind of very powerful emotions in a, in a very effective and, um, assertive rather than aggressive manner also seemed to fit with a lot of other psychiatric conditions I was dealing with. So again, you had a lot of people with anxiety, for example, who find it very, very difficult to express anger. Uh, same with depression. And actually somewhere at the root, this ability to be okay with yourself while being expressing things that are very deep and very powerful. Uh, it just became something that I was seeing in all of my, my work. So I started the Facebook group as part of it. I had an idea to do some kind of group coaching, which didn't actually happen in the end. So I started the group just as a place to hold those small number of people. And without doing any advertising, people started to click and join it. And suddenly I've got 50, 100 people in the group that I never intended to. Um, so it kind of grew from there, really. And as you know, there's, I think it's, um, 16 and a half thousand people in the group now in three years, three, four years. That's amazing. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. That shows, uh, how big of an issue this is and how global it is. Because I've seen in your community, there are people from literally every corner of the world and every walk yes. of life. Yes. Yeah, from, from entrepreneurs and, and very successful people to uh, people that live uh, from a day-to-day -day basis and have yes. huge issues uh, in, in their society. Uh, so from like very powerful economies to the poorest places on, on our earth, anger yep. is a common issue for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, it's so, one of the biggest things I've encountered so far with people that face anger is that they think they're all alone in this. Yes. This is, it's almost unbelievable to me how many people think they, their struggle is their own and no one else in the world have ever experienced it. So they can never ask for help for anyone because there's no one qualified for this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the, the real power of having any kind of group, whether it's a Facebook group or a group of people sitting in a room with me. Suddenly they hear other people voicing exactly the same things that are going on in their head. And they start to go, yes, it's not just me. And then perhaps the next step is they start to go, okay, maybe this is actually quite normal. And if they can do it, maybe I can do it. And if they can be helped, maybe I can be helped. Yeah, that, that is wonderful. And peer-to-peer -peer learning is such a powerful way to, uh, to bring knowledge to many people at once. Yes. That's super nice. Yeah. 
So what are some challenges and conflicts that you've had personally you had to navigate in order to become the professional you are today to be in order to become the human being you are today hmm. that's such a great question <laughs> um it's almost where do you start i guess um it's interesting i if we if we put this in the in the context of you know, the anger issue that we've been talking about. Um, I'm one of those that comes from, uh, I guess, what you might call a passive-aggressive um, personality type. So for those who don't necessarily understand those terms, um, I'm one of those people who, on the surface, probably look very, very laid back and like, nothing bothers me. Okay. And actually, that comes, that passivity comes from an inability to handle conflicts. But of course, as I'm going through life, you know, things are going to annoy me, things are going to frustrate me, and things are going to anger me. But because I can't own that and express that, it leaks out in you know, sarcasm, snide comments, and occasional explosive outbursts. So, what it's meant, I mean, just before I left my last paid job, actually, I mean, I, I guess you'd probably call it workplace bullying that I was being subjected to. It seems quite a strong word to use, but, you know, when you look back, that's probably a fair a fair comment. Uh, uh, and it was one of those things where because I can't or couldn't before my training as a therapist, really move into a you – know, you don't have that skill to express – I disagree with you and this is wrong without getting angry. So everything becomes a conflict when it could be a discussion. Yeah. So it's so interesting. I realize I'm missing my personal side of this, but what happens is, well, I became very conflict avoidant because the only way I could deal with conflict was that I either to bury my head in the sand and or just, to just have that kind of move past yeah, it. Absolutely. At all costs. Well, just have that screaming match where I end up looking a complete idiot and any valid points I had gets completely lost in that, in that argument. And I came from, um, I suppose I came from a family where there was lots of high level conflict, actually, lots of shouting and no real resolution. So I guess what I learned was there's no place to, well, I, I thought there was no place to go with this that was going to bring me an outcome that was useful to me. And it was really only doing the psychotherapy training, which is such a powerful personal experience as well as a learning experience. And you start to go, you know, there's a completely different way you can do this. We can actually disagree. So one of the, one of the sayings at the root of transactional analysis is I'm okay, you're okay. And yeah. It's about, you know, me and you in a room, Christian, it's about me respecting the the absolute okayness of you as a human being. And that doesn't mean we agree on everything. We can disagree and we can disagree very passionately. But I still hold that you're an okay human being and you have a right and a reason to hold the views that you do. They, they just happen to be different to mine. 
Whereas we often go into that place where difference feels like personal criticism. Yeah. And therefore, it's really mm. hard to say no. And of course, that's the moment when people stop seeing the other person as a person. Yeah, exactly that. Once that happens, that opens up, you know, anything can happen, isn't it? And from there, it only escalates. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting because, you know, um, having you tell me that you've come from a passive aggressive type of personality and yeah. you come to the point where you help so many people go through that, understand themselves, find ways to express themselves in a way that they can actually be understood and respected. Mm -hmm. And also yeah. for them to respect other people and accept the different opinions of other people, that's a very long way. And this is like a testimony that you are like the living proof that this is possible. It's it's not something like, oh, uh, there is a book about this out there, so yeah. try that. No, this is yeah. like, what can you ask for more than a person that actually went from having those explosions when when you could not avoid the conflicts anymore you you outburst and then mm -hmm. you got to the point where you you help people and and understand everything about conflict um in regards to this because this transformation that you've been through is very important uh, and i think there is a very important message to everybody that's listening to us uh, about this and what is the main difference between Nathan back then and Nathan today <laughs> when, when, when it comes to conflict, when it comes to how you approach conflict? So I'm going to give you two answers, if that's okay. Feel free. Um, the first one I think is the thing that's very personal, but also very important. And actually, I like myself a lot more. Wow. And it might not sound like it's related, but when I like myself, or, you know, dare I say, love myself, Christian, in a positive, healthy way, it's much easier for me to hear the difference that you have without it feeling like it's a personal slight on. Because otherwise, all those negative views I have about my or had about myself potentially get reinforced every time we move into disagreement. On, the, on a sort of practical second level, I, I, I think really having a mindset that difference and you know, difference is a good thing. It's something to be curious about and explore, rather than to be scared about and hide from or to attack and push away. So now if I, you know, you're, you're somewhere in Europe, I'm guessing, from your, your accent. I mean, I, I love being able to travel and explore the different attitudes and feelings that people have and kind of think about how that makes them diff their life different to me while they're essentially kind of the same person as me. So, you know, yeah. Thinking of difference from place of curiosity rather than of fear. 
Wow. So what you're saying to me right now is that Nathan a long time ago, <clears throat> sorry, Nathan a long time ago was rather pushing conflict away. Yeah. And today Nathan is open to explore the world of conflict because yeah. that is only a, a, a different way to get to the next milestone. Yes. And maybe there are some fine tunings that we need to do, that you need to do. And you do that in, in a conflictual setting, but you can go through a, a conflictual setting without actually uh, getting hurt or hurting the other person. Yes. So Absolutely. actually transforming conflict to disagreement, but all that disagreement comes with respect and love and self-appreciation and appreciation for the other person. Yes. That's, this is what I get. So yeah. th that is wonderful. Nice summary. That, that is wonderful. Thank you. Um, this is going so well, and I'm, I'm fascinated to have access to, to you. And, and I use this podcast in a very selfish way, and I'm confessing here right now, <laughs> um, because in, in these conversations that we have here, I have access to your experience and, and your wisdom. And mm -hmm. frankly, I'm very interested in the mistakes you've made, <laughs> because in the mistakes lie the lessons. And yes. my main goal here is to take these lessons from as many people as possible and make them available to, to the people that are listening. Because I think it's so much better to, to learn from other people's mistakes and then go through that experience. And if you are going to, if you're listening to this podcast and you are uh, taking something out from, from Nathan's experience, then Try that experience yourself. And if you fail, fail better than I failed or Nathan failed at some point, because that is the purpose here. And learn something and then take it to a different level. So, Nathan, I want to ask you, what is, what is something that you really failed to do in, in regards to conflict or uh, relationships? And you, you learned a hard lesson there. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you started um, talking about mistakes, and I thought, wow, there's too many to even think about. <laughs> uh, so you're not the, the person that is like, oh my God, I have no mistake. What am I talking about right now? <laughs> well, almost actually, it's interesting you, you say that, Christian, because it's almost that viewpoint that is underpinning almost all my mistakes. But in some way that I might know better, or I might know something that you don't know. And I think it was that mindset um, that potentially caused most of the problems that I would have had both personally and as a therapist, actually. Wow. So can you give us an example of um, like a personal experience in your life where you Ooh. tried something out and didn't work or you were in a process or you were in a partnership with someone and didn't work out? Well, I, I, can, I can give you, I guess, an example of 
what what underpins all the worst arguments or disagreements I'd have with my with my partner. And they're always they always look exactly the same. Fortunately, not for quite a time now. But, um, so you know, we, we 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 get on well most of the time. And sometimes, like in any relationship, my partner will be down or a bit depressed, a bit anxious, you know, just not having one of the best of days. The downturns. Yeah, absolutely. So nine times out of ten, we can talk and it's fine. And then you'll get this this one time every few years, and these have been the times when we've had the real, real bust-ups. Where for whatever reason that downturn is a bit deeper and she doesn't want to talk about it. And perhaps in the past I've done the, well, you need to tell me. What's wrong? Oh, nothing's wrong. Well, you know, I can see something's wrong. You need to tell me what's wrong. It's got even worse. And I started training because then I do, I'm a psychotherapist. I can tell there's something wrong. Don't try and fool me. <laughs> oh those would be the, those like, would be the times when I'd end up sleeping on the couch. <laughs> turning gas on fire. <laughs> yeah. What I've learned is, you know, sometimes I think what happens, particularly in, in couples, but in any group where you're quite close, is that you take that experience personally. So at some level, I would feel rejected or, or put down by, by this not being shared. And it's so important, I think, to, and it's really hard, but so important to get that place where you do really realize that other people's actions isn't about you. It might feel deeply personal, but this is just her stuff. She's got something going on. She needs to deal with it. I might be able to help, but I can't solve it. And I can only help if she chooses to let me in. So I can't push it that. That makes sense. So the lesson here is when someone is in trouble for any reason, yeah. when you force your help in... Yes. It only makes the problem worse. So yes. a, a big conflict can arise from that. That, that would be the, the, the root of lots of difficulty, I think. Have you, have you ever come across the drama triangle model? I hope you're enjoying this episode. Remember to subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. Thank you. I love your support. I appreciate no. you so much. No. So this is effectively an example of the drama triangle. Um, I normally need pictures for here, but I can try and explain it to you if you would like. Yeah, but please do, because but, I'm pretty sure a lot of other people have yeah. never heard about it. So okay. I'm, I'm in a position of pure curiosity here. So Okay, fantastic. Um, so this was a model developed in the 60s. Um, it, it's, it's, it's core to my transactional analyst um, training, but it's also used by lots of other people in a, in a coaching, counselling, team-building environment. So what it says, it core most of us have some sense of not feeling good enough. Okay. And we defend against that feeling in one of three ways, which gives you the three points of the triangle. Triangle. So we have people like myself who, who rescue we give help when it's not needed. We do that from the best of places, Christian, of course. But actually, at heart, we do that because when I can help somebody else and everybody around me is going, oh, what a nice guy you are. I feel good about myself. 
you have people who who play the role of the victim, which yeah. means that they get their what happens is they they get their sense of um, okayness because other people put value in them and are prepared to to help them out. And then you get at the the, the third corner is the persecutor, which is the person who feels better about themselves by putting other people down, blaming others when things go wrong. So, hey, I might not be great, but at least I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, we all love that kind of attitude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what you have is a piece of theory that says you get attracted to people who will play a role in your game. So if I'm a rescuer, I need victims so that I can do my thing. So right at the start of the podcast, you talked about how we're replaying the same conflict over and over. Yeah. This is actually a model that shows that, actually. Wonderful. Um, I, I didn't know the name of, of uh, the uh, triangle. I've been um, working with this, and there's actually a step forward if you want to share more about it, how, about how the rescuer can become uh, the yes. perpetrator or the aggressor or prosecutor, yes. depending how you call that, yes. and how the victim can become a rescuer and exactly. the victim. So, so the point of the triangle is that switch. So if we take, you know, take me as an example with my, with my partner there, um, what happens is I experience her as being in a low place. So I, I kind of put her in that victim position. Yeah. And put myself in that rescuer position. I want to stop just one second here because okay. what you just said is so vitally important. It's it's a matter of nuance. And you said, I've put myself in the position of the rescuer and I've put herself in a position of victim. Yes. She did not put herself in a victim position. No. You put her. And, yes. And this is so important to, to be mindful of this. Go on. Yeah, really nice. Really nice pickup, actually. So, in a sense, that starts looking like a stable relationship. Somebody who wants to be helped, we think, and somebody who wants to help. But there's a core imbalance in that relationship. Because inherent in me being the rescuer is some kind of I know best opinion. Yes. So, so what we set up is one of two switches. Either my partner rebuffs my help and I get frustrated because I need to be seen as a good guy and I move to that place where I'm saying something like, do you know what, however hard you try, some people just can't be helped. So I move to a persecutory position, leaving her in the victim. Or actually what happens when the relationship really goes wrong is that she experiences my help as being something very negative. So she moves to the persecutor position, saying something like, you know, sling your hook, I never asked for your help anyway. And that leaves me in the victim place. So it's that switch yeah. which becomes important in the in the kind of drama here, in the conflict. That is so, so important to, to be mindful of this. And... This brings me to um, a saying that I've heard from, from a coach I've been working with a long time ago. 
and he said, "Okay, you have you have some certain qualities that and skills that you can use to for the better." But yes. be mindful that any quality that you have used in excess becomes a flaw. Yes. And this is exactly uh, um, fitting to, to this model where the rescuer has some qualities and, and comes in for to, to lay a hand. But when you force your hand in yes. from rescuer, you can become actually uh, aggressive and yes. in, in, intrusive to, into the other one's life. Yeah, and that would invariably lead to conflict. Exactly. There's a lot to take away from this, and I, I love this <laughs> yes. conversation. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm so uh, fascinated about how just by sharing uh, your your perspective can trigger out uh, memories that I have or uh, past experience that I, 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 I've had and how... I can identify the little lessons that I've, I I took along my uh, along the way, yes. and I'm pretty sure that everyone that is going to listen to this is going to have little insights that can help them improve the future conflicts a little bit. I hope so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so let me ask you uh, a very pragmatic and and um and action oriented question okay both for myself and and for the people listening to this podcast what is one action that we can take immediately that has impact in our lives from your perspective um, from this um conversation that we've had so far wow <laughs> you know in some ways that's a surprisingly hard question because i think one of the aspects of you know working in this arena is there isn't a magic bullet fix there's something about a change of understanding I think perhaps the, the takeaway lesson is to think that when we're angry, that actually there's normally something underneath that. So that anger is driven by fear or sadness or some other very, very emotional, uh, vulnerable emotion. So I think the big takeaway in general is if we can learn to identify and express that, rather than raging with aggression, then what we do is invite the other person into solving the problem with us. So, for example, when I say to you, Christian, you made me so angry right now, you probably don't feel so good, yeah? Yeah, basically, when someone says <laughs> that, it's not very comforting. No, but if I say, you know, I'm feeling really quite sad about what happened between us this morning, that's a completely different approach. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that invites you in to help me solve that sadness. And yeah, be part of a conversation rather than being yelled at. Yes. Yeah. That is nice. That is very nice because it's just a switch from yeah. blaming it out and, and shouting it out to self-expression 
self-oriented expression. Yes. That is so nice. Um, and thank you for saying this, because this takes us to a chapter which I find really important in, in all the, the conflict uh, resolution world, which is anger. And you've said something very important here, that behind anger and beyond anger, there is a, a, a little universe. And anger is just an effect of all the causes that are, lie in that little universe. And you, you've shared something in, uh, in the community that you lead. And that was like, figure out what is behind anger and yes. you will understand so much more. And I want to challenge you even further because there was like a wheel with uh, fear, rejection, sadness, and all those uh, vulnerable uh, emotions as you described them earlier. But I want to ask you something even more. Yes, I What's noticed you made a comment on that. I wasn't quite sure what you were getting to, so I'm interested. Yes. <laughs> so um, I, I'm so happy we have the chance to, to actually <laughs> dive into this one. Um, so... Let's let's make the fresh picture here. So yeah. there is let's take me. I am I am angry and I express my anger fully and, and I do that in, in a way that maybe is hurtful to myself and other people. Yes. And you are saying that behind my anger yes. lies a set or one other very vulnerable feeling. Yes. Now the question is, what's behind those vulnerable feelings? How do you approach that? Because uh, I have, I have a, di a different way maybe, and I want to uh, see how we can uh, take the most out of both. Okay. So if I understand your question right, you're kind of saying where, where do those feelings come from or what? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess at the root of the way I think about most psychological difficulties, whatever that is, is it in some way it's coming out of our fairly early childhood experience. So we will have, it's interesting, we're, we're in lockdown at the moment because of the coronavirus here in the UK. So we've just got our my 12-year-old grandson staying with us to do some homeschooling. And as I watch him, and I'm sure this is the same for every 12-year-old boy out there, during the day, there are multiple little ruptures in the relationship with me and him or with him and his, and his, his, his nana. And it's very easy as an adult to look at it and go, Oh, you know, he's just being childish, etc., etc. But actually, these ruptures are felt very strongly by him. You can see the upset there. And okay, he's twelve now. But you imagine that happening when he's two, three, four, five. Yeah. Then what you get is this huge accumulation of experiences of disconnection with the people around you who you love. Now, 
I think what becomes because that all, it's almost inevitable that that will happen because as parents, part of our role is to set appropriate safe boundaries around our kid. So you know, when they want to eat a big chocolate bar just before dinner, we say no, and they get very upset. And when they want to play in the road and there's a car coming, and we say no. All of these things will cause all those tiny day-to-day ruptures in the relationship. For me, what then becomes important is what's that overall relationship like? So if we have a very loving, attached relationship, then all those ruptures get pretty well healed. They still sit there, but they don't become big chasms. If you don't have a relationship with your parents or whoever your caregivers are that is securely attached, then some of these small ruptures, as they have become accumulated over time, so a couple of times a day, every day for two, three years, suddenly you're into thousands, then these become huge sores. And I think the feelings that sit within these sores are the ones that get tricked when we get angry. Our archaic experience of disconnection and disruption from which we then perhaps start to feel unloved and unlovable. So shame is an experience, I think, that underlies lots of those. When it comes out of this cumulative set of experiences we have as, as children. In fact, within the, within the kind of theory that most of us psychotherapists work with, that sense of identity is quite fixed in a child by the age of six. Okay. So again, that really fits with the idea you said about we're, we're replaying these, these ruptures. Yeah, because in our early child. feelings and very vulnerable feelings don't come from nowhere. No. That's for sure. And exactly. I love the way that you described how, what are the concrete actions that lead to those feelings and i think this brings a lot of clarity to many people mm-hmm. and yeah yes i i've been working with uh with children and, and teenagers in education like for more than 15 years now and um they experience everything at a completely different magnitude yes to, to make this comparison um easy to understand for an adult is when a kid is trying to talk to the like a 12 years old uh, boy is trying to get uh, the attention of the girl he likes and he gets a no it's equivalent with a business person trying to make a huge deal with the the ideal client in his whole life and that yes. one says no yes can be actually traumatizing and what's very interesting what you said is that these are no, even though there are singular experiences, they compound over time. Yes. And that should give us a lot of thought because sometimes we need to let go of things. How? Let's compare this for a second with, um, with stones. So if every little... Um, disagreement or refusal or denial or rupture as tiny as it gets it are is a little pebble like one inch pebble three centimeters and you have a basket and you keep adding and as you said 
over a span of three to four years can be thousands. Yeah. The question is, how many pebbles can you fit into your basket? But actually, this is not the question. The question is, how far away are you willing to carry your basket with? Uh, nice. Because to me right now, it makes so much sense from time to time to stop and look in that basket and see, okay, do I need everything from here? Do I yeah. need anything <laughs> from, from yeah, absolutely anything? <laughs> then what what's to be done with it? <laughs> yeah. Um my approach on, on, on this thing is um is basically we have very, very similar view on, on this. Yes. And I am um, also focusing on what are the, the needs that the person has. So yes. as, as you said, if there is a relationship based on love and, and, and attachment and, and very close, thing, little things can go unseen and, and it's fine. But when the need for being appreciated is not met for years, that is a very, very huge, uh, let's say, a spring of frustration that never goes dry. Yes. And there are so many needs that we are trying to meet. And what I want everyone that's listening to us, and what you said triggered something very important and, uh, in my thought. Whatever experience you've been through, whatever um, things you've done in order to meet your needs and, and, and to get what you really need is not really your fault because this is actually how you've, you've done your best. And exactly like parents do their best with their children, even though for the children sometimes that best is not good enough. No, exactly. So, the, the bottom line in here is stop blaming yourself and stop talking down to yourself and putting yourself down and let that basket of little pebbles and big pebbles somewhere on the road, <laughs> live it, <laughs> just live it and yes. go. Because yes. that will uh, give you so much more freedom and, and, and creativity and why not energy and motivation and all the things that yeah. we are running for. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I like creativity here because creativity is what we need to solve problems differently. Yeah, exactly. This leads us to uh, one of the final questions that I have for you. And I want you to imagine for a second that out of every skill and ability that you have for a very strange reason you're not allowed to keep any except for one. What would that be? What a question. So is that relating to anger stuff or just a general question? Um, anger, conflict, and relationships in general. Wow, what a great question. I think I'll go back to that simple value that I, I, I gave you earlier, the I'm okay, you're okay. 
And if we go from that starting point, then I can work the rest out. That is so, so powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what is, like, if there would be, if you would have a message to everyone in, in uh, the anger management support group and yeah. to the world, yeah. what would that message be? Okay. I think that one's, that one I have. Um, it's to really understand that anger is a natural part of the human psyche. We all have it. We're all born with anger. What we're not born with is the ability to manage it. And that's something we can learn. That is so simple and clear. Yeah. Very nicely put. Very, very nicely put. Um, this is one of the things that um, I'm the kind of a person that when there is a crisis or a very, very tense moment or a conflict, I am the one that's keeping the calm, especially until it's done. And sometimes I freak out after it's done because that's the moment <laughs> I afford to yes. just lose it. <laughs> yeah. So people see me as... Um, as a very calm person and that I never get angry and, and things like that. And that's so not true. <laughs> Sometimes I make fumes out of my ears and my nose. And actually we're, we all have anger, but the thing is uh, we express it differently because exactly. what you just said, we have literally no one in our early, um, childhood or growing up or even as adults to actually teach us like hey in, and i mean no one from our immediate um relationships from the yes. family from the schools where we get the education mainly from nobody teaches you okay it's okay to be angry yeah exactly that one of the questions i i post in the, the facebook group quite regularly is how was anger modeled to you as a child? And for maybe 80%, they were violent, angry, some quite horrible backgrounds. But for the other 10%, they all say there was no anger at all. So either way, there's no positive modeling on actually what you can do with it to make it useful. Wow. So 90% of the people actually have one extreme end or the other. Yeah. That is sad. Yeah. Um, but that's why we make these kind of podcasts and, and amazing communities uh, to share this kind of messages because they are so helpful. So if there is anyone that might need uh, your assistance, your help, how can people get in touch with you? Okay. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> pardon me, too much talking. <laughs> Uh, so my company is called Emerge Therapy. So I have a website, which is www.emergetherapy.co.uk. Uh, my Facebook page, which is Facebook slash Emerge Therapy. And then, of course, there's the anger management support group that you've mentioned, which unfortunately doesn't have a snappy URL, but it does. If you if you search anger management support group, you'll, you'll find us there. It's pretty easy to find. It is pretty easy to find. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, guys, if you are 
at any given moment in your life experiencing anger and you don't know how to uh, to manage that there is nathan actually built a huge community there's more than 16000 people um in this group it's free to join and reach out because you're not alone in this um anger is normal it's fine you only need to equ equip yourself with better uh tools and skills in order to manage it better so i encourage you to to search for nathan i will um write the uh the handles and and the links uh, in the description of this episode and i really hope you get everything that you need to get in touch with him when you need that or or just follow him uh online because uh, he has a lot to give he has a lot thank you well uh nathan thank you very much for being here for having this conversation and open yourself up to the world i congratulate you for that and i really hope um this message and your message gets to as many people as possible because as we've talked in the beginning anger has no boundaries no borders no nothing it it's for everyone in every walk of life every any corner of the world so thank you very much thank you for having me it's been good i'm so excited to have this kind of conversations with people that are more or less uh, known by by the world but nonetheless amazing in what they do and and great people great souls great leaders i really hope uh you got something at least from this conversation because nathan shared tons of value and i would be really curious to find out what is your favorite lesson that he shared today what is your favorite piece of information that you're willing to take massive action on and start improving whatever corner of your life that needs a little bit of of a push and support and talking about support i want to ask you again and if you're listening here you are at the end of the episode and i so appreciate you for for listening the whole thing please go ahead and leave a review to this podcast on apple podcasts or itunes and you can star rate it and that would mean the world to me thank you you have listened to the anatomy of conflict podcast my name is Christian Moldovan. I'm your host and I'm looking forward to see you on the next episode.